Sports, Politics, Life, 360 Document Solutions presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues online at 360documentsolutions.com. I've been spending a great deal of time trying to compare and contrast Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis because I think that is going to be the biggest story on this podcast over the next year plus after we learn that Ron DeSantis enters the race for presidency of the United States or GOP nomination. And so as I've done this, I've tried to figure out what, you know, because I really, really, really like them both. I like their policies. I believe in what they say and what they do. I think they're both terrific for America. But as I will try to decide to make up my mind who I will vote for in the caucus, it's pretty important that we look at the different styles and think about what it is that we understand about these two candidates. And something that gained very little attention over the past, I guess, 48 hours or so by Ron DeSantis has sort of crystallized it for me. This is the difference between the two. Again, this is not an endorsement. I'm not saying that I'm going one way or another. I'm merely trying to point out how we can have two rock star candidates in one party that many, many people like and have different qualities, electabilities, personalities, but believe in so many of the same things that we believe in. And I'm looking more at their styles. Which style could work best? Which style do we need today? And I got a little hint as to the difference, but I think we all look at Donald Trump, we think, okay, this guy swings a sledgehammer. He comes after you. He comes after you hard. And he comes after you hard. Then he gets something done. Then he boasts and brags about it absolutely like crazy. I think we'd all agree that's his style. It works for him. It worked for America for four years, and it could work again. Ron DeSantis, and I know this is an old cliche, but the only thing I can think of to best describe his style is death by a thousand paper cuts. And a letter that he sent to Joe Biden on Tuesday really crystallizes that. And this hasn't gotten a lot of play out there. This is about the tennis player Novak Djokovic, who's wanting to get in the United States and play tennis in California and Palm Springs and then in Miami in Florida. And Ron DeSantis wants Djokovic in the country, but Biden has this silly air travel foreigner rule that he doesn't have the jab, so he can't come in. In the letter that DeSantis sent to Joe Biden, he writes, this denial is unfair, unscientific, and unacceptable. I urge you to reconsider. It's time to put pandemic politics aside and give the American people what they want. Let the man play tennis. Well, Mr. Djokovic is... Surely a supremely competitive threat to his fellow tennis professionals, his presence in our country poses no meaningful health or public safety risk. I note that since the onset of COVID-19, Mr. Djokovic has visited the United States at least twice, including once during your presidency, without any apparent health incident. It's also not clear to me why, even by the terms of your own proclamation, Mr. Djokovic could not legally enter this country via boat. Please confirm no later than Friday, March 10th, 2023, that this method of travel into Florida would be permissible. He then does a footnote at the bottom and shows an October 25th, 2021 proclamation, governs the entry of the United States non-citizen immigrants. It's about air travel, and it states traveling the United States by air, unquote. They're otherwise being admitted temporarily, not allowed to come in, by air travel. So Ron DeSantis, the paper cut here is... Oh, by the way, Joe, he's been here once while you're president, but not now after you've proclaimed COVID is over. And your whole policy is about air travel, which means these people, these immigrants can walk across the border 
They can come across any way they want, and they don't fit under this policy. We have 3 million people a year coming in illegally. We're not checking them for the shot, for the jab. So Ron DeSantis is saying, I need to know by Friday, and we're going to arrange, I would assume, he's not said this, I would assume Djokovic would fly to the Bahamas where DeSantis would send a boat for him and bring him through the port of Miami and enter the United States legally by boat. This is a thousand paper cuts. This is, you're a moron president. You wrote a crappy order about people flying in. You left boat travel out. We're bringing Djokovic in through a boat unless you cite something and tell us that this is absolutely illegal. We're bringing him into Florida. Ron DeSantis wants to bring Novak Djokovic into Florida to play tennis in the United States by boat, making it legal, which would gain how many headlines in California, Florida, and every place in between. And I don't think he's going to run around and boast about it. I love his style when he gets up to the podium and says, yeah, we've done great things. Our economy's doing great. We've added jobs. We've done the things with the schools. He, he talks about them. He reinforces them. But this man is a doer. He made one line the other day I didn't like. He said, you know, he said, we've used the surgical precision to do this and that. And it sounded a little boastful. When Trump boasts, it's funny. We see that as his personality. It doesn't really work for DeSantis. It's okay to state your achievements. But as he was trying to stick his chest out and kind of boast, I don't think that's his style. I think Ron DeSantis' style here is doing things. And over time, what we've seen in Florida, with the electorate in Florida, here's what we saw. We didn't see a bombastic governor. What we saw was a guy doing things on a daily basis for the people of Florida who were maybe even in the middle or their Democrats that thought, well, that really is the right thing to do. You know, we shouldn't be teaching seven-year-olds about LGBTQ or sexual identity or these things. It's a little too young. And so he took on the schools and he put all these different things in and they passed them through the legislature and they made them law. And people in Florida suddenly liked DeSantis more and more and more and more and more. Even as the media on the outside were clobbering him, the national media have gone into Florida and tried to destroy the man. People of Florida, he has gained in popularity every single month since he's been governor. And he won by a landslide in his reelection. After winning a very close election four years earlier, he won a landslide. That means you're doing the job. That means you don't have people look at you as the real thing. The problem that Trump had was he was doing the job, but was never getting the message out to people that the job was being done because the media were just destroying man right and left on a personal level. And they may come after DeSantis and they may find stuff and they may do something. I don't know. DeSantis doesn't say anything about Trump. All DeSantis is doing before he has declared that he's running, all he's doing right now that, that concerns you or I, anybody that's not a resident of Florida, all he's doing right now is attacking Joe Biden. And he's hitting him almost daily by a thousand paper cuts. And not all of these are making national news. And this really isn't going to make any headlines until it works. And I'd like to know how they're going to stop it. I don't believe DeSantis and his lawyers would put this letter out if they thought there was some statute or something Joe Biden has done to this point to keep Djokovic out by boat. And if indeed, because we allow, we allow cruises here all the time, we allow the people to get off the boat, come in here, get back on the boat and leave. That's why it was all written this way. This is mostly about people on cruises in the cruise industry. Okay, well, it's a boat. Bring him in by boat. He stays, what, three weeks, four weeks for a couple of tennis tournaments? And then he's on his way. It's the same thing. He's no more than a tourist coming in by boat. 
And I don't know how they're going to stop it. I got to believe DeSantis would not have put this letter out if there is something already written that Biden has done that can stop it. But now it's checkmate. He's going to force Joe Biden to make a public declaration that this tennis player cannot come in. It says very plainly in this letter, let us know by Friday, March 10th, or we're bringing him in. <laughs> Djokovic is coming to America by boat unless you notify us by Friday that he can't. It's checkmate. This is how you do it. You don't jump up and down and scream. It's not the headline on all the liberal newspapers and media outlets right now. They're not climbing all over the story. They've got other fish to fry with Tucker Carlson and other things going on. This is a winner. This is an absolute winner. And I love the fact that I'd love if they just ignored the story. It'd be great. If the left ignores the story and Djokovic comes in and plays tennis, that's a wonderful thing. That's the only way I can really think to describe the differences between DeSantis and Trump. They're so similar on so many different policies. Um, I love Ron DeSantis's low-key style. It seems like something that could be lasting and sway people. He has swayed. We have to look at Florida and say he has swayed the people of Florida. The, the honest truth is, no matter what nefarious went wrong in the election in 2020, and COVID was certainly part of it, and voting machines, and, and I don't think the voting machines are as dirty as the stupid ballot harvesting and the drops off, drop-offs in the middle of the night in places like Philadelphia and Atlanta, where all of a sudden they just found hundreds of thousands of more votes. That is more nefarious to me than the machines, but I don't know how you're going to stop it. What we do know as a matter of fact, okay, is Trump didn't do enough to win over the American people in his four years. That's a fact. Why that is, I don't know. He got more votes. He did get more votes the second time around. But he also created a situation where more people wanted to go out and vote against him. So it's just a very, very interesting contrast. I have no prediction on how it will play out. I've seen polling that DeSantis is leading in Kansas and Missouri over Trump, but we see most polls that come out right now because DeSantis isn't in the race, and I don't think he's playing the game yet. We have now learned that some of these polls can be influenced with money. We saw a New Hampshire poll. Trump leads by a landslide. He's like 35, 38 points ahead of DeSantis in New Hampshire, which is the first primary state or early primary state, along with Iowa, South Carolina. You know the players. You know how this works. I just think it's fascinating. DeSantis' strategy so far has just been to keep doing things. Keep doing things and people will notice. People will notice this story. There can't. What do you figure the issue of allowing this man to come play? Even not, not tennis fans, just people in general. If you just walk down the street and you say, this guy is the epitome of health, but he hasn't taken the shot. He's the number one tennis player in the world. Should we allow him into Florida to play in a tennis tournament? He's going to leave two weeks later. Should we allow that? I think that's got to be a 90% issue right now in the United States. Even the most ardent COVID freaks will jump on board and say, yeah, that sounds okay to me. That sounds all right to me. I think that I think even the COVID freaks know that there's a lot of natural immunity has taken place and this man should be allowed to play tennis. The real battle Joe Biden fight is fighting right now is on the border. And they are, I've said this for about a year and a half, all the man needs to do if he really wants to go up in the polls, all he really needs to do is close the border. Because if he does, it will lead to a lot of other great things. It, it just will. And it looks like they're taking steps now to close the border. We just had a couple of months that were way down, way down in the massive groups of people coming across. Those are considered 100 people or more at a time. We're starting to see a few more of the medium-sized groups, 50, 
you know, 25 to 50 in that area come across now, but they have taken some steps. They have slowed it down. They've got problems on the border and the American public knows it. The border is a terrible issue for the Democrats. And the biggest problem at the border now isn't even the drugs coming in and the deaths that are occurring to Americans by the drugs. Right now, it is a story that has grabbed headlines about four Americans who traveled from North Carolina to go across the border in Brownsville, Texas, to see a doctor for a woman to get a tummy tuck or the lap band surgery or whatever the heck it was because it's $3,000 cheaper. So they all went, and they all went to do this, and the cartels grabbed them. The, the mistaken identity thing is possible. The cartels grab American cars. They grab, they grab uh, transport vehicles is what they're interested in. They don't like pulling over Honda Civics. This was a minivan, an American minivan with American plates, and that's the exact kind of thing they're looking for. They assume that there's lots of items inside, luggage. They've driven a long way. They probably bought cash. They're probably going to pay the doctor in cash. So it's probably all on them. This is easy pickings, and it went bad. The whole thing went bad for them. Two Americans are dead, confirmed. One shot in the leg they hauled off. A woman they did not shoot they hauled off. They locked them up in the best way to say this was in a shack out in the country, out in the woods. Authorities found them on Tuesday, the two Americans in the shack, guarded by one man. They have arrested the guard. I mean, they swarmed on him. It was like the army swarmed on him. They arrested the guard. They've got the two Americans. They did a military convoy back up through Matamoros and across the border in Brownsville, and these two Americans are back in the United States. The dead bodies were also located, it's my understanding, in a field. But the woman that was not shot is in a hospital under observation and treatment, and the man who was shot and is in critical condition is being treated now in the United States. So they're home. Somehow the Biden administration will probably do some sort of victory lap and claim they got something right here when they didn't. These cartels need to be eradicated at the border. I can sit here and talk about this all day, but I cannot do what Ted Cruz did on Jesse Waters' show on Fox News. Ted Cruz is the senator from Texas. He understands the border issue inside and out. He understands how many Americans are affected, dying. We've got a rancher in Arizona who shot two illegal immigrants on his property in Arizona and is charged with murder and looking at potentially life, the rest of his life in prison because illegals are wandering. They, it turned out they were unarmed, but the man was scared and he shot them and killed them on his property. Illegal aliens from another country that could be part of a drug cartel. A man shot and killed on his property in Arizona and he's looking at life in jail. We've got chaos everywhere in this country because these people are coming in. Absolute and utter chaos. Nobody explains the problem why this is happening better than Ted Cruz, who says this is all on the presidential election of 2020. At the first instance, this wouldn't happen if we had responsible presidential leadership. Joe Biden created the chaos at the border. Joe Biden stopped building the wall. He reinstated catch and release. He pulled out of remain in Mexico. And what Joe Biden has done is he's turned these vicious narco terrorists into multi-billionaires. Let me give you an amazing statistic. In the year 2018, this is according to the New York Times, the Mexican drug cartels made roughly $500 million. That's a lot of money. Last year, they made 30 billion dollars. That's 2,600% more. That is what Joe Biden did. Joe Biden becoming president is the best thing that ever happened to the Mexican drug cartels 
Of that 13 billion, they make about half of their money on human trafficking, about half of their money on drug trafficking. You know, you just played Corinne Jean-Pierre saying fentanyl has never been better. I, I actually wonder if the reporters in the briefing room scooted back, afraid that lightning was gonna hit the podium. I mean, good God, last year, we had the highest number of drug overdoses in the history of our country, over 100,000 drug overdoses in the United States, the majority of which came from Chinese fentanyl flooding across this border. Joe Biden and the Democrats are responsible for turning these vicious murderers into multi-billionaires. We need to bankrupt them. We need to put them out of business. And the people responsible for these murders need to be brought to justice. There's Ted Cruz, and nobody can articulate it better, and nobody understands the issue better than him. And most of the authorities that we have in the state of Texas and Arizona, New Mexico, the, the terrain is different. It's not exactly the same. There's, it's, 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 it's quite a deal going on in uh, mostly Arizona and Texas. Really a, a stunning situation. And I've wondered over the last couple of days why this story of these North Carolinians became such a massive story, even for people on the left. And it's sad and it's tragic. These things have been going on in Mexico for quite some time. Okay, this is not all Joe Biden. I think what's happened here is how close it was to the border, that these people were simply going across a few miles to get medical treatment that's cheaper in that country than it is in America and coming back home. And that's what they were doing. And I, I for some reason, everybody's looking at this case differently. They are. And I can't, other than the, that it's a cumulative effect of the border right now, the Americans know we have record numbers coming in, that more people around the country have seen their communities affected, even in the inner cities in Washington, D.C. and New York, where the mayors are screaming about illegals being bussed in and dropped off. You drop these illegal aliens off in our town, and it's driving the mayor crazy there because we can't do anything about them. We don't know how to deal with these people. We've got them all coming in. And when that happens, and it happens in places like New York, that's a pretty small level. That's a tiny little thing compared to Texas or Arizona. Completely tiny compared to that. But there are just more and more people seeing this story because they know it's right down the street from them. If it's not in their yard, it's right down the street. Or people that live in places like Kansas City drive around and we see tent cities now. Now, does that mean a lot of these people living in these tents are illegals? No, but it kind of feeds into the narrative of we can't handle all the people that we have in this country. We are overrun, and at every turn we see this. We see it with more traffic deaths. We talked about this with Doug Horn, Horn Law, the, the number of traffic deaths that are up in, on American roads, and there's a lot of reasons. We have a lot of distracted drivers, but our roads are more crowded. We have more trucks out there than we've ever had before. We have more trucks on the road than ever. It, the world's changed. We don't go to the mall. The package comes right to our door. We need trucks, trains, and airplanes for all that stuff. It's getting more and more congested everywhere, and people feel more congested. And as people feel more congested and they see these stories and they know what's going on at the border, it's a cumulative effect, and it's piling up on Joe Biden in a really, really, really bad way for him, and hopefully a good way uh, for the United States. Hopefully we, we find something better. We see these stories everywhere. There's a story out of Lawrence, Kansas. They're taking $4.5 million worth of federal COVID relief now. Let me, let me, let me slow down and start over. $4.5 million of federal COVID relief in Lawrence, Kansas, is going to build 75 shelters, cabins, whatever you want to call them, in what's called a pallet shelter in one community. They'll be lined up on concrete, 75 of them in a row. These little 10 by 10 huts 
will have a bed, heat, air conditioning, and locks on the door and windows that go open and closed. There's no plumbing. I guess this is better than the tent, but it's a tent with a roof and a bed. That's basically what it is. So Lawrence is taking $4.5 million to get their homeless people off the streets and putting 75 people in these cabins. They hope to have them up and running by June. I don't have anything negative to add here. I think we all have in our heart that we want to help other people. The bad part of this is, again, we're being hoodwinked as taxpayers by Democrats. This is COVID money. Well, this has nothing to do with COVID. And there, there is no correlation between COVID and this anywhere, anyhow, anyway. Yet that's what the $4.5 million is going to use. We've seen the interest rates go up, right? And we've thought, well, this is going to slow the economy. It's going to slow all the development. It's not slowing the development. They're going to keep raising interest rates. I, I was on the phone with my buddy TJ, who's a developer at Back9 Development. You know TJ. I've, I've talked about him many times on this show. And we texted back and forth, and we've talked about this. He's got the biggest project of his career going right now. He's got three custom homes going in Kansas City. You know, he loves doing custom homes. They're, custom home builders, by the way, are not really affected by interest rates. So that's not slowing down. Those are people with money that build custom homes. He's got three he's building right now in Kansas City. There's a big, beautiful, multi-million dollar homes, gorgeous homes. But he's got a project going in Aggieville in Manhattan that is one of the biggest projects in Manhattan ever. It's called Midtown Aggieville. You can see it if you online. It's a it's a tens of millions of dollars facility, mixed-use facility right in the redevelopment at heart of Aggieville, which needs to be redeveloped. And, and it's sitting there in a town that's booming. It's the second fastest growing city in America. So it's boomtown for investment. People are outside of Manhattan are investing money into projects like this. It's mixed use. I think it's going to have condos and apartments and some retail and some office space. You don't just build office space anymore, but it's all mixed use. He sent me the prospectus. He's looking for me and Jessica maybe to invest some money in the project. He's like, we're still looking for some back-end investors on this project, and it's a winner. And we're looking over the prospectus for it all. It's pretty amazing. MidtownAggieville.com is the website if you want to see for yourself. But people are looking for ways, as the stock market hasn't done well, to invest their money in other ways into private ventures. My point is, this isn't slowing down. Our economy in America, regardless of the fact that Democrats are in charge, we're still doers. And a lot of the people that are doers are conservatives like TJ. I mean, he's got a great real estate play here where he's taking investors in his project and he knows what he's doing and it's going to be great. The whole city's behind it. Everybody loves the project. It's going to make money. It's going to be a winner. And they're doing it at a time where we take COVID funds and spend money to build little huts for homeless people. I don't understand it. The the contrast of what's going on in this country right now is significant. And it's unlike any time in our lives. There's, at the bottom, the government pouring record numbers of money into things that don't fix problems. And at the top, doers, and a lot of the doers, I'd say a majority of the doers, are conservatives that we have blinders on. We just keep going and believe in America, and we see opportunity. I can't tell you how many people I've heard from or talk to that are prospecting real estate downtown right now because they want to find out where the Royals are going to build that stadium and they want to buy property like they're ready to move the second they hear where that ballpark is going to be. They're ready to move. They want to buy. They want to buy one block away, two blocks away, three blocks away. They want to buy and they want to invest in that and they want to develop it. 
that stuff is still going on. And I, it just, it, it kind of dawned on me and came to light when I got this prospectus from TJ about MidtownAggieville.com. It really is impressive. And um, I mean, if you want to check it out, if you're interested in investing, check it out. That's up to you, completely up to you. But we're still winning. America is stronger than our negatives. The things that they're doing to rip this thing apart, crush the economy, raising interest rates, a stock market that is down for the year now after a really bad Tuesday. The stock market is down for 2023 after we'd made some gains. It is down this year. We're in March. It's not a small sample. We're not two weeks into January here. All right, we're two plus months into the year and the stock market is down again. We've got all these metrics taking place, yet we're capitalists. We're Americans. We believe in exceptionalism. We're positive. We're looking for things. We're trying. We're doing. Opportunity is out there and people are finding it. And I, I think it's wonderful. I see it in people like Ron DeSantis. I see it in people like TJ Vilkanskis. We've obviously seen it our whole lives in people like Donald Trump. Those are people that obviously really famous guys, but we continue on. We can, we can make things happen in this country, and that is always just a fantastic thing. All right, KKHI is brought to you by Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. I have a friend who recently got engaged. I'm not given names. He, I have not even spoken to him since he did this, and he got his ring at Joslin's Jewelry. Congratulations. You know who you are. You're listening. I'll give you a call here in the next couple of days. I think we're going to get together and watch some basketball in the next few days. But he went to Joslin's and I didn't ask him to go to Joslin's. I just, I think he knows, you know, I, I, I think he knows it's the place to go. 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. Way to go. Nice, uh, nice work there. Cross Kitchens online at Cross Kitchens KC, your complete home remodeler, whether it's a kitchen remodel, a bathroom or a man cave could be a small project or a big project. Cross Kitchens would love to work with you and your family. Call Tim Cross at 816-898-7047 or log on to crosskitchenskc.com. It costs absolutely nothing to have him out to your house. Tell him what you'd like to do. Have him do a 3D rendering and give you a bid. That costs you nothing. Nothing. Why not? Crosskitchenskc.com. And of course, Buck Roofing, the only roofer I ever use is Ron Buck at Buck Roofing online at rbuckroofing.com. Ron's team is available 24-7 for emergencies. When these spring storms start hitting, you're going to see some water. Some of you will, not everybody. Some of you will, and some of it's going to be a roofing problem or a roof issue. You're going to want Ron's number, 913-384-2680, and you'll sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fix the roof over your head. Okay, there is, or there was, I guess, um, a meltdown on the Senate floor yesterday by Chuck Schumer. I think a lot of people saw this. And Chuck Schumer goes out and basically does a promo to watch Tucker Carlson tonight, last night. I'm going to guess Tucker's ratings were through the roof. Schumer goes out, the leftist media all attack Tucker Carlson for airing video, showing video from January 6th that had been censored by the Democrat Party, which controlled the House of Representatives, the Capitol Police, and therefore the footage. Whoever controls the House of Representatives controls all of this. They control, they're in charge of the Capitol Police. They're in charge of the security footage. They're in charge of everything. So the fact is the Democrats censored all this footage for 26 months. They censored it and kept it from the American public. Kevin McCarthy does good on a promise, says, I'll release the video. One condition, whatever released, the Capitol Police have to agree we're not 
putting anybody in danger, and we're not giving anything up security-wise. Good enough. It took them three weeks to go over these tapes. Then the stuff that they wanted to use, they sent to the Capitol Police, said, we want to air this, and they let them say whether it was safe to air. The Capitol Police said there's one sign in one hallway of one piece of footage that we want you to blur out. But as they showed you the footage, you didn't even know what that was. You didn't even see it. They said, we just want you to blur this out. That was the only thing the Capitol Police said they were concerned about. Go do it. There is no national security threat. There is no threat to the Capitol. There's nothing nefarious going on here. All this was was the American public getting to see what they rightfully own. You pay taxes. You own the Capitol. You own the footage. Anybody that pays taxes as American citizen owns the footage. We have the right to see this in a free country. Chuck Schumer melted down. Ken Burns, a documentarian, just went nuts and compared Tucker Carlson to Nazis and Soviets. It's crazy. I mean, this is just absolutely insane the way they melted down. And they basically said, this is how you ruin our country. This is how you take our country down. And it's completely the opposite. Again, with these people, it's the opposite. This is what makes our country great. Complete transparency for the American people. The people are in charge. You are not. You are not allowed to censor this from us. So it's been great watching it. And you've probably seen Tucker or whatever. We talked about it yesterday on the show and, and some other things. But the fallout to this now is Schumer won't stop. I don't know why he did what he did. I don't know why the left is even talking about it. They should run from the story and ignore it. Fox News is halfway ignoring it. Allow it to just die. And they won't. They're feeding fuel on it. And it's a loser for them. It's a loser there because anybody can understand that releasing videotape, more videotape of January 6th, makes their sham committee look terrible, makes their argument look terrible. Anything more released that they censored makes them look bad. And Schumer knows this. They're scared. They're fearful. They only know they don't ever do flight. They do fight. Democrats don't flight. They fight. You know, they say when you're scared, what do you do? Flight or fight? They fight. So Chuck Schumer digs in and starts fighting and the liberal media fall in step and they start doing the whole thing. Then this bonehead doubles down on how stupid he is about censorship and control of media and taking away free speech. Schumer tweets out that he was invited to be on Tucker Carlson and will appear on Tucker Carlson if Tucker Carlson apologizes to his entire audience and admits he was wrong. Well, no spit you'd appear on there then. Are you kidding me? Okay, Chuck Schumer, if Tucker Carlson completely changes his story and everything that he's worked hard on for three weeks here, well, actually longer than that, he's worked 26 months on this because he's been the guy out there beating the drum. Where are the videotapes? Where's the rest of the tape? There are more and more things on video and we want to see it. He's been beating that drum for 26 months and they've known this. You think he's going to apologize and change his story to have you on the show? What are you saying to your voters and the American public if you're such a chicken spit that what you're saying is, I'll go on with Tucker Carlson to debate the merits of this story as long as he apologizes and admits he was wrong. What you're saying is you can't win this debate. And here's the amazing part. Tucker Carlson's a pretty crappy debater. He gets people on his show that believes different things than him, and he continues to ask questions. And the questions are from his point of view, but he's not really a debater. I don't think he wants to be a debater. I don't think he wants to argue with people or fight with people. I really don't. I don't think it's in his personality. Take it from a guy who misses arguing with callers on the radio. I do. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed sparring with people. 
I enjoy a good debate. I love it, man. I love it. I welcome it. Tucker Carlson, not so much. Schumer, you're not going to find an easier debate than Tucker. He doesn't want to fight with you. He would ask you pointed questions, and if you don't answer them, he'd stop you and say, answer the question, but it wouldn't be a debate. And Chuck Schumer is basically telling anyone who wants to listen, I can't win this debate. Tucker Carlson has checkmated us on this one, and we can't win this one. So I'll say, okay, you invited me on. I'm happy to go on his show, which is what people will say. Well, it's not that Chuck Schumer doesn't want to go on the show. He'll go on the show. Tucker just has to apologize and admit he was wrong. Really, that's all? Just apologize and admit you were wrong? I mean, some of these things people say, it's just astounding to me. Truly. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just phenomenal, the things that they come up with and how ridiculous it all is. But it's who and what they are. It's how they are, for sure. It's how they are. What are you going to do? All right, our final news story has to do with pets. I hear from many of you that have dogs, love dogs. You know we're dog lovers. And love your pets, cat owners, birds, mice, I don't care, snakes, horses. Animals are cool. We like animals. There was hysteria in Kansas City over the last two weeks. After somebody posted on Facebook that their dog had a viral infection that was believed to have been caught at a dog park. It's a rare thing. It can be transmitted from dog to dog. And it's very serious and can lead to death if untreated. Hysteria is the way I describe it. It broke out on Facebook. I go to the dog park a lot. I have been instructed to not go to the dog park. And I've not been told yet that I can go back. And I'm going to follow those instructions. Because I ain't messing with this. Okay? The story comes out from the folks at Mission MedVet in Mission, Kansas, and they say, well, yeah, we've had hundreds of calls. We can't, uh, every time we hang the phone up, it rings again. It just rings and rings and rings and rings, but we haven't really seen any cases. People come in and their dogs are wheezing. They bring them in. We're like, yeah, that's not what this is. So it spread around on Facebook and it made it sound like there was a COVID outbreak among dogs and your dog could die. Hysteria set in. I think that hysteria will slow down as there really aren't that many cases. There, there isn't really a lot going on here, according to the veterinarians. But there is something out there that is real in our area. And it's making dogs sick everywhere, and cats and horses. It's making them very sick. It is not lethal unless there's complete over-ingestion of this. They eat too much of this. Like they'd have to really eat a lot of it to kill a dog. But dogs are sick. They're lethargic. They're laying around. They're not normal. Their eyes are, you know, like dilated. They, they, they're, they're squinting and blinking, and they're disoriented. And the vets are overwhelmed with these dogs, some cats, a couple horses. All over Kansas City, they're saying this is a problem. And it has started since marijuana was legalized in Missouri. People are baking things. They feed everything to their dog. They leave things on counters. Big dogs get up on counters and take food off. Dogs are getting high all over Kansas City. And then their owners take them to the vet and say, what's wrong with my dog? I don't know how long a high lasts because I haven't done it. But for dogs, it can last two to three days. And it could appear that they're very, very sick. And they certainly aren't themselves. And they are sick. This makes them sick. They're basically allergic to it. It doesn't make them high and happy or, or whatever, relaxed. It makes them sick. It makes them sick to the stomach. It drags everything, their vitals, everything down. It's not lethal, again, unless they just eat too much. 
It didn't say much in there about secondhand smoke. I don't know. I don't, I know. Look, I'm the last person on earth to talk to about a contact high. I have no clue. Zero. So I don't know. But it's a real thing. Be careful with your dogs out there. If you like to make some brownies, like to smoke a little weed, it's legal in Missouri, careful with your puppies. That's all we ask around here. Again, we just have a very simple stance at KKHI. You live your life the way you want to live it as long as you're not hurting somebody else. We point out all the time where people live their lives and make lifestyle choices or do things or go commit actions that harm others. We don't judge how you live. I don't care how you live in your house. I don't care what you do in your house. Don't hurt your dog. Don't hurt your kids. Don't hurt your spouse. Don't hurt others. That's all. Really, really simple premise. And we extend that to our dogs because we love our dogs. We know you love your dogs. But if your dogs have a, every now and then take a piece of bologna off the counter, don't think for a second they're not going to eat pot cookies. <laughs> they will. Plus, you're going to bought the pot and lose it. There went your pot cookie. Your brownie's gone. Fido got your brownie. What a sad situation. <laughs> Again, it won't kill your dog, but they may start playing video games or something. I don't know. Vegging out, watching too much TV, being completely and utterly unmotivated. It's all possible. All right, on to sports. The Royals have announced their new slogan for 2023. The Royals have announced their slogan is welcome to the city. Okay, I know what they're going for. They're wanting to build a ballpark in the city. I get it. This shows a lack of understanding of this community. If you ask people in Kansas City if they live in the city, an overwhelming number of people will tell you no. We're a suburb community, first of all. And I don't think many of us consider that the city. I think we consider the city to be a very small part of downtown. So for that part, it, it meets their function. The riverfront, a little bit of North Kansas City across the river, the skyline part, maybe you even extend downtown to Union Station. But I don't think if most people think of the plaza as the city, even. It's a very small area, the city. It's just who we are. It's the way we view our community. So as the Royal slogan becomes welcome to the city, I just don't know very many people that want to be in the city. They'll go to the city to see a Royals game, no question. When you say welcome to the city, it makes you sound like you want to buy real estate, you want to move down there, get a condo, and people have done that. We have a lot more people living downtown than ever before. It's, and that's great, but it really still isn't who we are. We're not really like this upscale urban community. A lot of people love it and it's for them, but the majority don't majority live elsewhere. I just wonder about this slogan. I know what they're going for. If it's simply a ballpark play, I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that with the Royals. If this is simply a ballpark play, that's great. They also released information or it was reported on Tuesday that Lorenzo Kane is retiring from baseball and will retire a Kansas city Royal this summer. After spending those years in Milwaukee, making a whole bunch of money, Lorenzo Kane, you're saying he's retired already. Yeah, he started late. He's like Whit Merrifield. He was, a, he was not a young guy when he got here. And so Lorenzo Cain, I stated many times in 2014 and 15, was my favorite Royals player. And I'm not saying he was the best Royals player. I think we'll look back and probably view Salvador Perez as the best. 
Lorenzo Cain was my favorite. I, I was able to turn the other way when I saw him fake like he was dying out on the field. Like sometimes he'd just get winded. He'd steal a base and he'd grab his leg or something like he was going to die. Then he'd get up and he'd run like the wind scoring a run. You know, he was dramatic. But God, he was fun. He played with a smile. He bounced around. He made great catches in center field. He got big hits when it mattered. He was a fun player to watch that you never doubted for a second. This guy loves what he does. I remember sitting with Lorenzo Cain in spring training his second year. He had locked up the job. It was pretty clear he was the guy. And he sat down, and I believe it was the first sit-down radio interview he'd ever done. And it was just glorious. He talked about his mom and his family and the opportunity and how great this was, and he didn't know if the opportunity would ever come. This is long before the Royals won anything. They hadn't won spit. And I'm like, this guy's special. This guy's got a winning personality. He's a different kind of cat. This guy's a winner. I like this guy. And I got done, and he goes, man, that was, that, that was great. I was a little nervous. I was afraid it was going to, you know. So, dude, it's all good, man. I mean, we're sitting there. I was sitting out on a patio in, in Arizona in spring training. I said, it's all good, man. I got you. You know, I wasn't going to, you know, I, I know you're new to this. You're a young man. He goes, that was just so cool. And I said, well, you know, I, you probably wouldn't ask, but I'll offer it up. Would you like me to send it to your mom? And he said, would you? I said, heck yeah. Give me the email address. Let's go. I said, we'll get this thing cut up and I'll have my guy send it to her. She'll have it today. She can listen to the whole thing. She doesn't even have to listen when it's on the air. He goes, oh man, he got so excited. And that smile ear to ear, it was just great. It was just great. I, I love Lorenzo Kane. I'm thrilled he's retiring a Royal. He'll be a Royals Hall of Famer and that is cool stuff. A couple of Chiefs players could be in the real Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Frank Clark could make it. He was cut by the Chiefs on Tuesday. And they saved $20 million against the cap, $21 million against the cap by doing this. They put a tweet out, some videos, some nice statements about Frank Clark. It was nice. They're also apparently waving goodbye to Orlando Brown Jr. because he's going to cost too much for what he is at left tackle. We did a whole thing on this on the Patreon podcast yesterday. The relevance, the strategy, I lay out my argument that NFL teams are moving away from left tackle as quarterbacks become more mobile. I think they're moving away from money at left tackle and putting it more in the middle of the line, saying my quarterback can step up and out if the middle of my line is better. Every quarterback coming up now has been raised under pressure from the blind side. We're talking about right-handed quarterbacks. They see it, they feel it, they expect it. It's part of the game. They know how to roll right. They also know how to step up and get inside that left tackle and go left. I think the Chiefs are signaling that. They made this big move just a couple of years ago for Orlando Brown. Now they're like, we're not going to pay him. We're not going to pay him. We got Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes will make the left tackle better. So we did a whole bunch of that on the patron podcast yesterday. You know, if you'd like to become a patron, you can go to kkhasissues.com, click on become a patron and sign up for five bucks a month and you are in like Flynn. You get all kinds of great content there at kkhasissues.com, become a patron. You can also become a patient of Dr. Bill Bush at North Kansas City Dental. Uh, he's the dentist of the Big 12 tournament this week. Dr. Bill Bush will be courtside for every game this week at the Big 12 tournament. He has actually done dental work. He takes all of his equipment in his chair, has everything down there they need. Somebody loses a tooth in a game. He helps them out. He gets them fitted. He does whatever he has to do. He has done this before. Rick Barnes, a long time ago, when Texas won the tournament, credited Dr. Bill Bush for helping get one of his players back in a key game after he was bleeding all over the place and lost a tooth, and they wouldn't let him play with all the blood going out. Dr. Bush is the dentist of the Big 12 tournament. How cool is that? He's got great sports stories. I tell you guys all the time, and he's a conservative. 
He's a great American patriot who loves sports, has great sports stories. He'll probably tell you stories about me if you go down there and you ask him. He's a great dentist. NKCDental.com. Finch Knife Company is online at FinchKnifeCo.com. We love these guys. Spencer and Steve just came up with the new collection of knives called the Hatfields. They are gorgeous, and you should check them out in Overland Park at Shields. These are great gifts. These are great gifts or just great for yourself. When was the last time you had a pocket knife? It's a pretty great item to have. It's a pretty great item to have. Maybe you're not even an everyday pocket knife guy, but you keep it in your drawer where you keep your stuff and go, I'm going to do this thing today. I think I'll take my pocket knife. I'm not talking about for self-defense. I'm like, hey, I'm going out with a buddy. We're going out and or you're going hunting or you're doing whatever. A lot of it, pocket knife, man. Awesome. They're awesome tools. They're really sharp and beautiful. They're also collectible. Finchknifeco.com. And Dr. Jeremy Fry at Fry Orthodontics. He will straighten your teeth. That's what he does. He gives you that beautiful smile. All right. Dr. Fry would love to work with you or your teenager. The office in Lee Summit is currently seeing my niece, which is a really cool thing. She's going to get a gorgeous smile for life, and she's going to enjoy her experience with Fry Orthodontics because they make it that way. That's the mandate from Jeremy on down. We will be a positive, happy, gentle place for treatment. Love that about Fry Orthodontics. 13 locations. A smile for life is right around the corner from you with Invisalign or braces. First appointment is free. Just log on to fryorthodontics.com. Charles Barkley is back in the news. He's in the news a lot. Charles Barkley, you know Charles Barkley, and you know he does the NBA. He has responded to former player Kendrick Perkins on ESPN, who is commenting that race is a factor in MVP voting. Right? Okay. He is saying that Kendrick Perkins is saying that three players didn't win the scoring title since 1990, but won the MVP. And three players since 1990 that won the MVP weren't even in the top 10 in scoring. And they all three were white. Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Nikolai Jokic. Jokic could win again this year, and that's why they were discussing uh, Jokic and the, and the possibility that he's going to win it again this year and that there's racism in the balloting. And then Perkins says, you know, 80% of the voters are white. And Perkins has a, obviously a worldview that if you're white, you're racist. Barkley's like, wait a second. I won the MVP in 93, and I wasn't the best player in the league. Michael Jordan was. <laughs> and he's like, okay, three players, three white players in all these years, and this is, and you're thinking that the voters are racist? Barkley goes off on him. He said, I love when, quote, fools, unquote, get, quote, ESPN disease. <laughs> he's just, Kendrick Perkins has ESPN disease where he feels like he has to go on and say something to get clicks or get people talking instead of just being real. Barkley went on to say, I've never done that. I've said things that have been controversial, but they're things that I believe and that I say, and I didn't go on TV to say it thinking, oh, okay, I wonder if this will cause a crap storm. I wonder if this will get me followers on Twitter. No. Barkley said if his 80% of the voters are white, quote, Perkins pulled that blank out of his ass, unquote. <laughs> went on to say it was one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Barkley just unloaded. Love me some Barkley. There's a lot of things I've heard Barkley say that I don't agree with, but my God, I love him. I love free speech. He is convicted. What he says he means, you've got to love that. And that's why it resonates with people the way it does. 
He's fantastic. And he has no problem calling out Kendrick Perkins saying you're a fool. Called him a fool with ESPN disease. Man, I love stuff like that. I'm, I'm proud of Barkley for saying that. It's just a, honestly, just a beautiful thing. No other way to describe it as it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, uh, the Big 12 tournament, the SEC tournament are on, and I've let you know that ticketsforless.com is the place to get your tickets. Got a great email from them. They said there's a discount with every order. Session two is for KU. Session three is for K-State fans. Missouri fans headed to Nashville. You can even buy your tickets an hour before the game through Tickets for Less. They just email them right to your phone. So log on, see what it's all about, and then know at checkout you're going to get a discount. Typically between 5 and 15% off your order by using the promo code KKHI with ticketsforless.com. Roberts Robinson is the official automobile dealer of KKHI. Chevrolet Buick GMC, they will build it for you exactly like you like it. Or log on to robertsrobinson.com and see their inventory. Everything you see in inventory is right there at their lot in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. And if you like, they can even ship the car to you. No matter where you live, they come to you at Roberts Robinson, home of the lifetime warranty, included with your purchase. Most dealerships charge $1,000 or more for the lifetime warranty. It is included at Roberts Robinson on all Chevrolets, Buicks, and GMCs. Call my guy, Tim Trader at Roberts Robinson. Say, hey, what's the deal? I want to build me a new Silverado. Can you help me out? 816-826-1563, robertsrobinson.com. And play more golf this year with Great Life KC. Golf and fitness memberships all around Kansas City, including the classic membership, which is six courses for one low price. The courses are from Leavenworth to Blue Springs. You can do this as an individual, for your entire family, or your company. For more information about joining a golf club owned by the Great Life Company, you will play more golf than you've ever played in your life. When you know you don't have to pay, you just go play unlimited. All you want is great, and you can do this for a very low price. Canyon Farms, Falcon Ridge, Prairie Highlands. Falcon Ridge has some openings. Mention the podcast when you call Falcon Ridge. I don't think they've had membership openings for a couple of years. Uh, I think their number is 393-GOLF. 393-993-393-GOLF. Falcon Ridge is taking memberships this year. So give them a call and mention the podcast. Let them know you heard about it on KKHI. Awesome stuff here. Or send an email, join at greatlifegolf.com. How can I join? Prairie Highlands, Staley Farms, Canyon Farms, Falcon Ridge, Tallgrass, and Wichita. It's all right there. Osage National at the Lake of the Ozarks. Great Life Golf KC is online at greatlifekc.com or just shoot an email. Say, here's where I live. Here's what I want to do. The email address is join at greatlifegolf.com. Be sure and mention the podcast and get the special hookup. Cool people. And a really kind of a story we've known for years, but it's a bummer. They've, they've confirmed this now. It's really the first study that's confirmed this. The Philadelphia Inquirer has confirmed that the old veteran stadium in Philadelphia was filled with something called PFAS in the surface. This is one of the original artificial turf surfaces in Philadelphia, and it was a bad batch of artificial turf. What they did was they went to a whole bunch of people that when the stadium closed, they sold off little remnants of the carpet, and people put them as mementos in their trophy cases and stuff. So the the scientists have been doing an experiment for the last few years on the turf at the old veteran stadium in Philadelphia, and they have come to the conclusion that it was extremely toxic. This is stunning. You're not going to believe this. Six Philadelphia Phillies that played on that turf died of 
uh, glioblastoma, an aggressive brain cancer, the same brain cancer. I want to repeat that. Six fillies that played on that surface day in and day out for years died of the exact same brain cancer. PFAS is known to cause this cancer. Those players were Tim McGraw, I'm sorry, Tug McGraw, Tim McGraw's dad, Tug McGraw, Darren Dalton, George Brett's brother, Ken Brett, John Vukovic, John Oates, and David West all died of the same type of brain cancer after playing years in Philadelphia on that turf. Only five Major League Baseball stadiums today use artificial turf. There are no toxins. They are all tested and approved now. Uh, the grossest thing is, can you swallow or ingest those little rubber tire pellets? Or what happens if you get those up in your nose and they get into your lungs? I don't know the answer to that. You've seen the pellets fly on TV. They must in some way be harmless or there wouldn't be billions of them out there on the surface. Because I would think those could get into your throat, your stomach, and your lungs. You would think. You would think that's all possible. Or at least sinuses. If it doesn't get into your lungs, it get into your sinuses, which is a, uh, kind of a scary thing too. But it's a sad story. They have confirmed, yes, this was toxic. It was bad. I don't know what it means for those families. I, I, don't, I don't know about the legalities or anything like that. Dan Quisenberry died here of brain cancer at a very young age. I have not looked up to see if it was the same type of brain cancer these players had, but I've heard Frank, I've, I've had many conversations with Frank White and George Brett through the years about how bad the first artificial turf was that they played on. The original turf in Kansas City when they built the stadium was awful. What they complained about most was below the belt injuries, that their legs, feet, knees, everything was always barking. They basically laid a very thin piece of carpet over concrete or over asphalt. It was exceedingly hot. I mean, they would get blisters on their feet. They had to wear two pairs of socks on hot, hot days to protect their feet because the surface was so hot. They really did not like that surface at all. And there's reason to believe that it could have been toxic or some of the other early ones like the Astrodome could have been as well. Sad thing to hear that. I believe that. I, I believe that to be true. And I believe we've gotten to a place where it's much safer. We ought to be checking those pellets out and making sure they're all safe for the players as well. All right, that's today's episode of KKHI. It's wonderful that you listen every day. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell your friends about it. Have them hit the like, follow, or subscribe button. That'd be great help as we're approaching 27,000 daily followers at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!